Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. Through this podcast, we hope to challenge and equip you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus and in living and loving like Him. Time is our most valuable commodity, our most precious resource. As we begin a new year, let's dive deep into the principles necessary to make the most of the time we are given and learn to steward it well. Will y'all show some love to the best worship team on the planet? These guys are pretty good, pretty, pretty good, huh? Yeah, yeah. They don't even know. I, they can hear me talking about them because I'm in their ears, but they're just ignoring me right now because they have things to do. Um, but I'm, they, they make it easy to preach uh, because they usher in the spirit through the power of music. Come on. Yeah. All right, one more time. Because I'm tired of looking at this thing. Anybody, anybody with me? Uh, if, you're, if, if today's your first Sunday, you're like, where am I at? That dude is holding an hourglass. We just stepped through a time portal. Uh, well, time is a subject we decided that we would talk about to start 2019. And to me, this device does a better job of helping us understand the realities of time than most of the new modern ways that we figured out. You know, we're in this stage where probably, you know, you have your phone fairly close by almost at all times, right? Like anybody like you freak out, where's my phone? Where's my phone? It's right there. Or anybody ever do this? Where's my phone? Where's my phone? It's in your hand. Uh, we, We have, I mean, we have the ability to know what time it is, like consistently in front of us. But to me, an hourglass, it it, it paints the picture of time in a way that helps us to understand its reality. Just because as you sit here and you watch it, you can physically see the grains dropping. And what we've been saying is really like our lives are like this hourglass, except we only get one flip. It'd be awesome if we got more. But according to what I see at God's word, we get one chance to live, and then we look at God and we give an account for that life that he gave us, and that's it. That's it. That's, that's all. We get one flip. And, and I look at this hourglass, I, as I see the grains dropping, I just remind, like, that's our lives. Like, our days, our moments, our minutes, like, we, they're, they're dropping. And, the, and, and from the moment our life begins, the, the grains are slipping out of the glass. And you only get one shot. And the reality is, unlike this hourglass where we can physically see how many grains are left, just by why, we, we don't get that luxury, do we? Like, as you sit right here, right now, you don't know how many grains are left in your glass. And I know that's morbid and it seems weird to talk about, but it's just reality, right? You don't know how many grains are left. You don't know if you've got enough grains to, to get through this service. You don't know if you've got enough grains to see your kids graduate from high school. You don't know if you have enough grains to, to walk her down the aisle. You don't know if you have enough grains to, to meet those goals and see those dreams become reality. That's just truth. And our hope was that the reality of time would sink deep in our spirits as we start this year so that we could make the most of the minutes, the minutes that we have. Because they are our most, our most precious commodity. Your time is your greatest resource because it's limited and it's fleeting. And our hope is that we would come to a realization of time and understand it so well that we would begin to make the most of it. In week one, I told you this, that the legacy of our lives is determined by how we leverage our time. 
The legacy of our lives is determined by how we leverage our time. And now when you look at that, you see that word legacy, and you automatically kind of want to check out a little bit. But the reality is you will leave a legacy with the one life you've been given. You will leave a legacy. Like it may be good, it may be bad. There have been people that left a legacy on your life and it was positive, and there's been people that left a legacy on your life and, and not so much. But you will make a difference. You do have a legacy. And like before, I think we can even really start to appreciate time. And before you definitely will lean into what I want to teach today, I need you to realize that, that, that you will leave a legacy. And I need you to understand that your legacy matters. Because you're the only one that will get to write your legacy. You do realize there will never be another you. You are the only you this world will ever get. Some people that know me say, thank God. <laughs> but you are the only you this world will ever have. And you are not accidental. You, you are not, I don't care what your mama said. <laughs> See, despite maybe some things that are happening in our culture, this way, you know, I don't believe that life begins at the conception in the womb. I believe it began in the conception of God's heart. Like before you're even conceived in your mom's womb, you're conceived in his mind. That he knows you, he formed you, that you began as a part of God's imagination even before that decision was made. And despite the circumstances around your conception, you have purpose and you have a destiny and you have potential and God wants to use your life to make a difference. I need you to believe that. Like I, I need you, because before you... I think maybe the reason why we don't value time is because we don't value ourselves. The reason why we, we push back against words like legacy is because we don't believe we're worthy of one. So I need you to know you matter. And yeah, maybe you've hit some hiccups along the way. But I don't care what you've done, there's still more for you to do. I don't care how jacked up you even feel in this moment, how broken you might seem. It, you may be broken, but you still have breath. And because you have breath, you still have potential. Y'all need to wake up and preach back to me, okay? Come on. You may be broken, but the fact that you have breath still says God wants to do something with your life. That your legacy matters. Your life matters. That God wants to use you to make a dent in this world, to make a difference. And how you leverage your time will determine that dent. It will shape that legacy. And there's something you need to know. Like, legacy is not determined by length. Like, I think there's a lot of times we think that, that our legacy, the, great, the longer our length on this planet, the bigger our legacy. Legacy is not determined by length. There's some really short lives that make a big difference. That it's not about the amount of time that you will get. It's what you will do with the time you've been given. It's not about the number of years you will get. It's about what you will do with the time that you've been given. And for us to appreciate time and to make the most of it, like I need you to understand the reality of your legacy. That you are making a difference. You are shaping 
the views of people around you. You are shaping, you, you are influencing, you, like you matter. And the way that you leverage every minute is shaping the legacy that you leave. And I'm challenging us all, oh, let's, let's live in a way that outlives us, that leaves a legacy of who God is and what he's supposed to be and, and what can happen in this world. Because I know this world is broken and shattered and all you have to do is watch the news for 3.2 seconds and you can see that. But God is good. And he is alive. And as long as there are people that will follow him, things can be different. Whew, I'm... You, you, you matter. And, and I think the psalm that we've been jumping off from in this series is a man reflecting on his own legacy. Go to Psalm 90. That's where we've been kind of starting this conversation every week, Psalm 90. And again, let me set the stage for you. This is written by a guy named Moses. And I know when you think of Psalms, you think of David, but this Psalm was written by Moses. And, uh, and, you know, there's a lot of scholars that try to figure out when people wrote stuff, and we've got a lot of different ways. But, but like, I think when, when Moses penned this, I believe it was in a very specific time in his life. See, Moses, I think Moses is penning this Psalm with his own legacy in mind. And he's wondering like how he will be remembered. Because you do know, you remember Moses. Moses was that guy that God tabbed. The, the nation of Israel had been enslaved to Egypt for 450 years. And Moses had seen this beatings and all these crazy things in the, in the terrible way that the nation of uh, Israel was being treated by the Egyptians. And he got mad one day and he killed he, he killed one of the Egyptian soldiers, and then he had to flee. And for 40 years, he had to go spend in the desert. And so 40 years, gone. And then one day, a bush catches on fire and says, hey, I want you to go do something. And when a bush on fire tells you to do something, you take notice. <laughs> and he leads them out of the nation, and he does all these amazing things. Like when he leads them out of the nation of Israel, he's, on the, uh, he's got... He's kind of between literally like a rock and a hard place. He's got the Red Sea in front of him and the world's largest army behind him and the sea parts, and he leads them across, and he does all these things. But somewhere along the way, like, things get a little complicated, and they end up wandering around in the desert for 40 years. And Moses, who was given the job of leading the nation of Israel out of Egypt and into the promised land, never gets them there. Like, right before he dies, God takes him up and he shows him, he's like, the promised land's over there, but Moses, like, you're not going to be the one. Like, you've brought us all the way to the threshold, but it's going to be your understudy that leads us there. And I wonder if in that moment, Moses felt like a failure. That like, yeah, as, as, as many cool things as I've done, I didn't get the ball all the way across the goal line. I got us right to this place, and I didn't. And I wonder if, if, if in that spirit, in that mode, in that position of reflection, and, you know, when you get to the end, and you, hindsight makes everything look a little bit different. As you're able to look back on your life, and I think it's in that spirit, he's thinking, all right, will I be remembered as the guy who, who led us across the Red Sea, or I'll be the guy that fell short? And he writes, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And you know, I think, I wonder if Moses is just wondering, you know what? I thought I'd have enough time to make up for the things that I did wrong. That maybe yeah, along the way, M Moses, read, read the story. Along the way, Mo Moses made some mistakes. And you know what mistakes always cost you? Time. 
Anybody ever made a mistake that's cost you time? Okay, there's some honest people in the room and some liars. Okay, glad you're in church. Hope you get saved. Like, the reality is mistakes make us time. And, and the most misused moments of my life come on the other side of me making mistakes. And I think Moses is saying, like, at the heart of this psalm, he's saying, oh, God, help us to understand time. Because an awareness of time leads to a desire for wisdom. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Now, when we truly understand all that is real and right about time, it will lead us to pursue wisdom. Because the only, if we don't have wisdom, we waste time. If we don't have wisdom, we waste time. Because without wisdom, we make mistakes. And mistakes cost us. Like there's some people in the room that we know that very well. Because we've made mistakes that have cost us years. Amen, somebody. We have made, because this is another thing that God taught me in this whole process. That our destiny is shaped by our decisions. Our destiny is shaped by our decisions. Like every day we stand in crossroads of life and we have to make decisions. And those decisions are determining where we're going to end up. And sometimes we make wrong decisions and those decisions cost us. And they don't just cost us money. They don't just cost us relationship. They cost us time. Like we have, some of us have made decisions that have caused us to waste so much time in our lives just because we didn't, in wisdom, make the right choice. I see it happen all the time. I've seen it happen throughout my entire life, from the time I was a little kid to a couple weeks ago. When I was a little kid, uh, at the time when I was in the second grade, we were living in Siler City, North Carolina. I got a whoop whoop in the first service because there's only one person from Siler City, maybe maybe some more, okay. Um, and in Siler City Elementary School, there was this big hill next to the playground that everybody would roll down. Because back, you know, this is the 80s. Like, y'all got Nintendos? We had hills. That's how we entertained ourselves. Um, monkey bars? Nope, there's a hill. Let's roll down it. And so, like, we would just spend, like, a lot of this time... We were stupid. Oh, my gosh. We would, uh, we would spend a lot of this time, like days on the playground, instead of playing on the playground, just rolling down this hill. And you'd, you'd lay down, and you'd roll down the hill. And then you'd walk up the hill, and you'd roll down the hill. Well, we've evolved a lot as a society, haven't we? Um, but, you know, like second-grade boys can't just roll down a hill. You make everything a competition. So it becomes, all right, who can roll down the hill and get to the bottom the fastest? So you get this point where you're just like, like just whipping. And when you wake up and you're like, I'm okay, I can get, I can get up the hill. Like some of y'all might have been on Friday night, glad you're in church. Um, <laughs> bring it back. Well, this one day. There was this one boy that every time he would beat me, and I'd finish in second place. I don't like to finish in second place. So I decided, like, I am beating him today. And so I, I decided, I'm, I'm going hard, man. I'm going as much as I can. And I'm going down, and, 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 like, I get to the bottom of that hill, and I'm rolling with such force that when I get to the bottom, I throw my left arm out to stop myself. And my arm snapped in half. 
my left arm, about right here, both bones, crack. And I didn't even win. <laughs> he still beat me down the hill. I remember I went to Miss Price, sweet lady, but she didn't like me very much. Um, I said, Miss Price, I broke my arm. She said, child, your arm ain't broke. Go back to playing. My arm was broke. Like, I had, they had to set it and everything. And this was, like, almost at the end of school. And I had to spend that summer in a cast up to my shoulder. And so for six weeks, while all my friends are playing and doing their thing and going to the pool, I have to wear around a trash bag to cover up my cast, looking like a crazy person. And how silly as that is, and as insignificant it is, it, it displays a reality. That in a moment, absent of wisdom, we can make a decision that costs us a lot of time. And some of us know that on a much serious scale. Like we, we knew we shouldn't marry them, but we did it anyway. And now look where we are. I know that going to that bar wasn't a good idea. And now for the next 10 years, I have to deal with a suspended license. These are real stories, church. Like if we're, if we're going to build the lasting legacy that God has designed us to have, it's impossible to do without wisdom. To make the most of the one life that you've been given. To do all that God has designed you to do. To make the dent on society, on culture, on your family, on your friends, on the people that God has put in your life to influence. You have to have wisdom. Wisdom is absolutely necessary for us to make the most of the one life that we get. But here's the problem. Wisdom is the byproduct of maturity, and most of us avoid maturity like the, like the plague. See, wisdom and maturity go hand in hand. You, you tracking with me? And the problem is we fail to grow up. And the reason why we're wasting time is because we're immature. See, we don't need to be concerned with dying prematurely, we need to be concerned with living immaturely. Because our, if all that's true, then our legacy is dependent on our maturity. If wisdom is what's necessary to live out the life that God wants us to live, and if wisdom is the byproduct of maturity, then our legacy is dependent on our maturity. And the reason why so many of us, we're diluting our legacy with our immaturity. And my call to us today is if you want to make the most of the time that you've been given, you got to grow up. I mean, it's all throughout Scripture. Let me just read you a handful of passages of Scripture. Look at 1 Corinthians Chapter 14, look at verse 20. It says, brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. Like, you got to grow up. Hebrews 6, 1. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be, and, and be taken forward in maturity. 2 Timothy 2, 
22, Paul tells Timothy, flee from the evil desires of your youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. That if we're going to, if we're going to be, get serious about this whole time thing, and if we're going to make the most of our moments in order to live out the life that God has designed us to live and make the difference and leave the legacy that he's called us to live, then we got to grow up. And so many of us, we're wasting time because we're not allowing God to grow us up in areas that we should have grown up in a long time ago. And now let me, let me just make some clarification. Number, maturity does not mean you are without mistakes. Maturity is not a mistake-free life. Maturity is not continuing to repeatedly make the same mistakes. You want to know what's a sign of maturity? Does maturity mean I never make a mistake? No, you're going to make a mistake. That doesn't mean you're immature. It means you're human. But immaturity is repeatedly making the same mistakes over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And that's some of us, like we're still making the same mistakes we made five years ago or 15 years ago or 20 years ago. Because maturity doesn't mean you don't make mistakes. We're going to make mistakes. But maturity is recognizing those mistakes, allowing God to teach us what we need to learn from it so that we don't continue to make them. But... We, 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 we just avoid maturity. Like, even when we start saying the word maturity, like, some of us start to kind of even push back and, and run from that. Because maturity, we've, we, we've equated it with boring and serious. Like, that's what it means to be mature. As if maturity means that we're always serious and never silly. No, maturity means you know the difference between when to be serious and when to be silly. It doesn't mean you're always serious and never silly. What maturity means, I know when to be serious and when to be silly. I know when to do this, like I have this understanding of what I'm supposed to do and when I'm supposed to do it under the, the direction of the Holy Spirit and through the filter of the Word of God. Like, that's maturity. And as we mature, the wisdom that comes from God to help us to know what to do so that we make the decisions that we need to make instead of making the wrong ones over and over again and hurting ourselves and hurting the people that we love and wasting so much time in the process. See, the decisions that cost you money, yeah, they're awful, but most of the time we can recover from those. But the decisions that cost you time, you'll never get that time back. And here's, again, I'm not trying to make anybody like wallow in that because I realize some of us sit in the room and like, like right now we feel the guilt of that, the heaviness of that is, is I made a decision and I'm sitting here paying for it. And, and like you know it very well, more than any of us. God can redeem any bad decision. And God can heal it and give you strength to move forward. Again, you might be broken, but you still have breath. You can move forward. But if you're going to make the most of your time, if you're going to leverage it for all that God wants it to be, I don't know of any other way to put it, but you've got to grow up. And see, here's another mistake that we make. Longevity does not guarantee maturity. Longevity does not guarantee maturity. As if the longer you are on this earth, the more mature you will become. Nope. 
Because we know some people that are well in age that do some really dumb things. Like that's just, I mean, that's, maybe that's the way it should be. The more life experience that we get, the more we walk through, that we should know. But like that does not guarantee maturity. Let me sh- There's a good example of scripture pointing this out. Go to Job. Job chapter 32. Job's having a bad day, to say the least. Job had a bad series of days. And Job has some friends that come and try to speak into his life. Some of those friends. Y'all got some of those friends? Some of the ones you just need to say, shut up and get away from me for now? Come. Yeah, the pastor just told you there are some people in your life. That's what you need to say to them. Get away from me for now. Because what you're having to say to me is not helpful. It's making it worse. And the influence that you're having on my life in this season, in this space, I don't need. You love them? You want them to know Jesus? You want them to get in heaven? But right now? Well, these guys are speaking into Job's life. And one of them has a relative that's hanging out. And listen to this. And look what it says. Job chapter 32. Pick up verse 4. It's now, now Elihu, who had waited before speaking to Job, because they were older than he. But when he saw that the three men had nothing more to say, his anger was aroused. So there's this younger man who's listening to these older guys try to speak all this stuff into Job. And he's sitting there, and because he is obviously mature, and it's like, these guys are my elders, I'm going to be respectful, but I'm listening to them, and as I listen to them talk, I'm just getting angry at what they're saying, because what they're saying is not helping old Job out. Verse 6, so Elihu, son of Barakel, the Buzzite, said, I am young in years, and you are old. That is why I was fearful, not daring to tell you what I know. Verse 7, I thought age should speak, advanced years should teach, should teach wisdom. Then verse 8, but it is the spirit in a person, the breath of the Almighty that gives them understanding. See, it is not only the old who are wise, not only the aged who are understanding what is right. He says, I've sit here and I've listened to you say all these things and because I'm younger and because I wanted to be respectful for you, I gave you your space. But as I'm sitting here listening, what I'm realizing is age does not guarantee wisdom. Age, does, age is not a reason for wisdom and youth is not an excuse for stupidity. You can't use that young and dumb line on me. And he says, like what I'm hearing, what I'm realizing is, because see, listen to me. Wisdom does not come with age. It comes from God. Wisdom does not come with age. It comes from God. It's something that we learn as we get to know God and understand his word and seek him and deepen and build our relationship with him. That's the heart of what it says in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Wisdom does not come with age. It comes from God. It has nothing to do with how many years you get to spend on this planet. 
There are some people in this room that are a lot younger than me, that are a lot wiser than me even now. And there are some people that, you know what, they're a lot younger than me, and I look at the wisdom that they have, and I think, if I'd have had the wisdom they had at that age, I wouldn't have a lot of the scars that I have on my body. Because they know things that I don't know. And they've learned the importance and power of wisdom. And I know we live in this culture, we say, well, don't grow up too fast. And I get what we're saying by that. We don't want people to feel the stresses and the pressures any, any younger than they have to. But in some areas, grow up as fast as you can. Because if not, you're going to cost yourself a lot of pain and heartache and difficult that you could have avoided if you'd have leaned into God and learned his wisdom. I don't want my kid, I see, I can't, I can't change any of the stupid things that I did as a kid that cost me a lot of time. But I get two shots to make a difference, Aiden and Leah, my son and my daughter, to try to impart to them some measure of wisdom that I neglected. Not because I didn't have it at my disposal. I grew up with great parents. I grew up in the church. I grew up with everybody surrounding me to invest in me. I just ignored it. And it cost me. It's one reason why next generation ministry is so important to this church. Like I talk about how your life matters, today matters. This hour right now matters, especially for the people that are on the other side of that wall, stepping into a room with your crazy children. Not because they have to, but because they believe that they're laying a foundation of faith and ingraining the word of God into children that we will take root and they will avoid a lot of the mistakes that all of us in this room made. <laughs> Celebrate them for what they do. And in case you hadn't noticed, there's a lot of kids back there. Maybe some of y'all right now, you need to grow up and serve in kids. That's how you need to respond. That's what God, God is telling you right now. I don't know if that's God, but we need people investing in our kids because it matters. It makes a difference because you get one life. You get one chance. And, and, and age isn't guaranteeing that you're going to learn those things. But if you want to make the most of this life that you've been given, you have to grow up. You have to mature. And it's not about the length that determines your legacy. It's what you do with the weird years that you've been given, and you will not steward them well without wisdom. You know who is the perfect example of this? Jesus. Jesus only got 33 years with this planet and made a more profound impact than any other human that ever lived on it. And how, how did that happen? It's because Jesus grew, and he, these things happen. There's a Go to Luke. Luke chapter 2. You know, we have very little about the life of Jesus. Very little. We have just a few, we have his birth, and then we have this one moment that I'm about to read to you when he's 12 years old, and then we don't see him again until we believe he's about 30. But there's, there's something that's said in this part of his story that I think, you know, everything in Scripture is there for a reason. Because there's something we need to learn from it. Check this out. Luke chapter 2, pick up verse 41. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he, Jesus, was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, he, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. 
but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. They done lost Jesus. <laughs> Makes you feel better as a parent, doesn't it? <laughs> Verse 46. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Verse 49, why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I would be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And now all we know about what Jesus did from that point to the time he's about 30 is this next verse. And Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and in favor with God and man. That Jesus spent the next two decades building maturity before he would step in and do three years that would create a legacy that changed your life. I think everything that Jesus did was a model for us to follow. You want to leave a lasting legacy? You want to make a difference in this world with the one and only life that you've been given? You've got to grow up. He grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So this is the question I need you to ponder. Where is immaturity affecting my legacy? If I'm really honest and look at myself, where, where have I failed to grow up that I should have grown up? Where are areas in my life that I'm just, if I'm honest, I'm immature in? And at this point in my life, it's not because I have to be. It's because I've just chosen to be. I've chosen to ignore or not engage in the things that I need to grow up. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And for a moment, I want you to begin to ponder that question. It's not going to be fun. Let me go ahead and tell you. Because in preparing for this message, God made me wrestle with the same question. And it's painful when God starts pointing out, hey, Matt, you're really immature in this area. You're really mature in this place. You're really immature. This is where you need to grow up. It's hard and it stretches you. But if we're going to walk out of this series and we're going to make the most of the time that we have, it comes from wisdom. And wisdom is the byproduct of maturity. Where are you immature? Here's another, like, are you engaging in all the things that you have at your disposal to build maturity in your life? You hear us talk about things like labs and life groups and all the things our church offers. Those are just avenues we think you need, we all need, in order to develop and grow in our understanding of who God is and what he's desired for us. It's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. Father, I pray that right now, You'd help us to search our hearts, our minds, our spirits, our souls. Be honest, just take an honest look at our lives. And just get real about the spaces of our lives where we're failing to be as mature as you've called us to be, as mature as we should be at this point in our lives. Help us to lean into your voice. Stretch us, challenge us, change us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand and worship with us. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. 
To stay connected with what's happening at Vintage, download the Vintage Church app to access sermon notes, events, devotionals, previous podcasts, and discover ways to get connected in community. We hope you join us again soon.